Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The parable of the unrighteous steward, or unrighteous manager, or dishonest manager, however you want to translate it, is a hard parable to understand. But Jesus does, as scripture always does, explains himself further. Jesus uses a different parable. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Both in today's parable and in that simple, plain parable, the basic thought is that Jesus is teaching us to use temporal possessions for the purpose of obtaining something of even greater value. That is the parable today. When it boils down to it, the unrighteous heathens, the sons of this world, as Jesus calls them, are more often shrewd in their dealings with their present wealth for the sake of their future wealth and security. They truly believe that by having more, they will be more secure, and so they lead their lives according to their doctrine. They do it for wealth that will fail. They do it like runners competing for a perishable wreath. But Christians, however, know of that failure. They know of that coming death. They know of the return of their Lord. They know of the great treasure that is heaven itself, that is eternity with Christ, imperishable and unfailing. And as Christians, then, that ought to motivate us to use everything that we have for the sake of that eternal good. That when we go to that new heaven and new earth, when our Lord faithfully takes us there as he has promised to do, There is waiting for us there not only a wealth of treasures found in the reward of good works, but also those treasures of the people, those who will receive us. The people who we influence along the way by our witness to the goodness of God and the saving work of Christ Jesus for the world. There is a humility required here, a humility which is sadly lacking in all of us, one time or another especially Americans. We are indeed the wealthiest people of all people, of all history. As such, we have come up with some unhealthy and sinful ways of regarding that wealth that we have been given. First of all, and the root of it all, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh have all worked together to deceive us, to convince us that what we have is ours and ours alone that it is our possession, that we earned it. This is blatantly false teachings, which is rooted in pride, and then which is rooted in idolatry. You would not, and I would not, have anything today if it was not for the God who created and preserves us. What you have is not yours, really. It is his. It is God. So because it is not really yours, it is not just up to you to determine how to use that wealth, how to use those possessions and so forth. Do you see what our culture does all of the time that is removing God from the picture? Do you see that we too have done that in our hearts in regard to what we have? As such, what happens when you fixate on your stuff as your own? The first thing is, is that you lack gratitude towards God. You become ungrateful to the God who has given you all that you have. And this is sin. 
Then comes not only lack of gratitude towards God, but it also comes greed towards your neighbor, which is sin. Then comes indifference towards the needs of your neighbor. And then along with it comes slavery, to needing more, to all of that idolatrous coveting that happens in the heart. In short, what happens when you deny God is that you become enslaved to sin. What you have is not your own. It was given to you by God, and it doesn't matter how hard you think you worked for it to earn it or deserve it. God is the one who graciously gave it to you, and like it or not, God has spoken how it should be used. That is what it means to be a steward and not an owner, to be a manager and not a master of the house. That this manager or steward in this account is praised, not for his dishonesty or anything like it, but because he, trusting in the mercy of his master who is letting him go, he prevailed upon that mercy of his boss to use the earthly things within his sphere to secure for himself a future. You see, he trusted in the mercy of the rich man. Thus he used what the rich man had given him to secure himself that future. He knew he could not do it himself. This is certainly not teaching that we gain heaven by our works. It does not teach us that we gain heaven by how we steward things on this earth. But having been given heaven by the work of Jesus, we are given to lives of service and love towards the neighbor. Salvation only comes by the grace of God when we trust in Christ for our forgiveness and salvation. What this teaching today does is it warns us. The pride, the greed, the indifference, the unloving behavior towards both God and our neighbor that comes with being an unfaithful steward. It can enslave you to sin and it can drag you far away from God. Indeed, far away from heaven itself. If you devote yourself and you devote your earthly goods to the temporal cares and concerns of this world, you just might get your reward here and now in this world. But wealth is often uncertain as the current inflation rate shows us. If you live for that wealth here and now, the sad fact of truth is this. You will likely only live in the here and in the now. Over and over, Jesus repeats this warning, that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. He is not talking about salvation by works. He is talking about how sin can destroy and rob a man of salvation. He is talking about how slavery to sin can destroy faith in Jesus and rip someone away from God. This is the warning we have from Scripture. This is why these things were written down as you hear it today. Both the examples of the Old Testament and the teachings and examples of the New Testament teach this. The wealth that God has given you is meant to be used to bless others, to serve others, to make sure that they hear of what God has done for all in Christ. This wealth is given to allow God to provide for all of the support and needs of the body, for those in your household, for those in your church, for those in your community. Similarly, the question of Jesus, what does it profit someone to gain the whole world 
if in the process he loses his soul. This means that if you think for any short amount of time about your use of what God has given you in your life, that massive amount of earthly goods that he has graciously, overabundantly given to you, you will not be able to honestly look at that in your life without wanting to make confession of grave sin and how you have lived your life and how you have used God's resources for selfish and sinful ways. Money is such a disastrous idol. Like all idols, it promises freedom, promises great joys and comforts, and it delivers only slavery and robs us of eternal joy. I have never in all of my life met anyone who could sit there and honestly claim to be anything but an unrighteous steward if they were honest. This means sin, whether in pride of claiming ownership of what God owns, or whether it is a sin of losing eternal focus for the temporal matters, the temporary matters, which money can somehow seemingly improve, or so we think, or so we are told. It is all in there, and it is a mess, a sinful, destructive mess. We have sinned with our money. We have sinned with what God has given to us. No one sitting here today, no one here listening to this sermon is exempt from that. Yet, in spite of this sin, God has always shown himself to be merciful. God has spoken and promised that he gives grace to the humble. And that humility here looks like a confession of sin regarding the handling of wealth and possessions that God has given us. Humility here looks like a trust in God to make things right and prayers to God that we would rightly use what he has given. This is because the true God alone is unchanging and unfailing. Wealth or unrighteous wealth, as Jesus calls it in today's parable, will fail. Jesus says so. It is a horrible thing to put your trust in. It is unstable, fleeting, and death makes wealth utterly worthless and unhelpful to us. God is stable. God is constant. God is unfailing. He is never diminishing, never fading away. He is the steadfast one who alone is righteous. As always, while the sinners of the Old and New Testament show us sins that we have in common with them, and provide warnings against living in such sin, our Lord Jesus Christ shows us true faithfulness. He is trying here to teach about using everything in the here and now for the future good of others and indeed ourselves. He himself has done so first. He left behind his heavenly glory to take on flesh and blood, not as a child born in some wealthy, royal, powerful land filled with riches, but as a poor, humble, weak carpenter. He, eternal God, majesty eternal and co-equal with the Father, emptied himself of his glory, setting it all to the side. But why? Why did he do that temporal thing then and there? Because he loved the Father. He knew what the Father had planned from before the foundation of the earth, the salvation of sinners. He did what he did. He emptied himself of his glory so that sinners will be forgiven and have eternal life with God. 
It was for the eternal good of not just himself, but for others. The Son of God, who is God himself, took on flesh, gave up all glory, gave up everything of who he was, and sacrificed to be humble to the point of death, and as scripture says, even death upon the cross, in order that he would be able to take unrighteous sinners, unrighteous stewards, unrighteous managers to heaven. His work alone is righteous, and his work alone makes us righteous. He had eternity in mind as he gave up all heavenly and temporal comforts for your sake. He is the righteous and faithful steward, and he is that for your sake, for your eternal sake. And that because of Christ, your sins are forgiven. Because of Christ, the Spirit of our God, the Holy Spirit, this day is calling you to a new life. The life that you were baptized into. A life where what God has given is faithfully used for the good of the neighbor and for eternal things. Where it will not lead you to pride or to greed or to covetousness or to hatred or to indifference toward your neighbor. That it will lead you to a new life of humbly receiving what God gives. Giving thanks to God who gives it and using it as wise and faithful steward for the good of others with heaven in mind. There is no better way to invest your wealth than to put it into building the kingdom of God and into the riches of good works towards your neighbor. May we all be so generous as our God is to us. May we all be so merciful as our God is so merciful to us. May we all be so heavenly minded toward others as Christ was and still is toward us. And by God's grace, one day you will see it, the treasure of heaven, the true treasure of heaven. That is the people of God, the people whom Christ has brought into heaven, who will welcome you into such a place for your witness to the God who redeemed you, for your witness to the God who provides for all that you have and all that you need and even more. That other sinners who know Christ will benefit from your use of earthly wealth for their good and the selfish cares and concerns of this temporary existence which consume our thoughts and devotions and tempt us away from Christ and heaven itself. Those things will be long forgotten for the joys of eternity. God grant us all humble repentance, a firm faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and new life both this day and into eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen. And may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.